Welcome to FitStory TV, the number one resource that everyone in fitness can relate to. I am your host, Matthew Burbridge, with my co-host, Perry Power, and we are on a mission to change the way people see fitness one story at a time. If this is your first time listening, make sure you hit subscribe right now so you don't miss out when we drop more fire. Our guest today on the show is Rich Wellington. He is a fitness business growth expert. And his agency, High Ticket PT, helps fitness professionals dominate their local community and build sustainable businesses that not only fulfill them, but they actually get paid well for. Now, without giving it all away, he talks about growing up in a really tough environment where life was just really hard. And conditioned by that environment, how he fell into a space whereby sexual and physical and emotional abuse felt normal. And that stage of his life created the turmoil that he eventually broke through and now He can share that story with us in a vulnerable and compelling way. We also covered some other topics, including how the fitness business coaching space is turning into the wild, wild west and how you can survive in it without wearing a bulletproof vest. Now, Rich is a phenomenal dude with a real passion for people. And I am sure that you'll fall in love with him when you listen to this episode. One sec. Wet your whistle, kid. That's better. (laughs) Had to wet my whistle. Yo, what is going on, Fit Story fam? We have another dope show ready to go. And before we dive into the guest, I just want to say that recently, and this is a shameless plug, recently we have designed a free cheat sheet that is aimed to help you craft your Fit Story without, and I must emphasize on that, without making the same common mistakes that other people do when they craft theirs, that is literally costing them money. So if you want to get your hands on this absolutely free resource, okay, I suppose it's not free. We do ask for your email, but (laughs) (laughs) your soul, (laughs) just a bit of your soul, the bit that you don't want to give we want. Um, So all you got to do if you do want that free resource is just click the link in the show notes and uh, give us your email and we'll send it straight to your mailbox. Now, with that said, I don't like to plug for any longer than 30 seconds. Um, I'm joined here today by my co-host, man of the hour, Perry fucking power. What's going on, bro? Oh, he was muted. <laughs> Unbelievable. My phone froze. What, what is bad. this? Amateur hour? I said man of the hour. Then you're giving me amateur hour, bro. What's going on? Mate, said, your whole <laughs> intro cut out for me, mate. My phone cut off. <laughs> is this my part, is it? Yeah, this is your part. Let's go. How's it <laughs> going, bro? Man, that's going very well, man. I've had a great day. Um, I've booked tomorrow my dog in for coaching. Um, we all love a bit of coaching, so that's exciting for me. And I'm also very excited to get the guest on, man, because... Um, He's a big character, and I can't wait for the listeners to, to find out more about him. He really is. So, look, I'm excited to do this because this man is arguably probably has one of the, the, the best senses of humor that I've come across in the fitness industry. Uh, mate, you're absolutely killing it in business, too. We've been watching all of your stuff. And, of course, you have a podcast, which I'm sure you can talk to some of us about in a bit. So before we dive into the meat and bones of this episode, Rich Wellington. Do you want to tell the listeners very quickly a little bit about what high impact PT is, who it serves, and what the mission is? I don't know what high impact PT is, but I'll tell you what high ticket PT is. Sorry, uh, my fault. My <laughs> fault. It's all an good. idiot. High it's all ticket. Good. And I should cool, know. Man. And I should I'll, know. I'm that an ENFP, because... right? So my business name will probably be different in six months' time, anyway. Oh, I should know that. That's actually really bad because that was actually my fault. <laughs> 
I'll it's, take that. It's, it's actually sales <laughs> that you are heavy on. So that does, would make absolute sense. You know why yeah. that's confused me? Because Ben Gower is another one of the guests we've had on. His, his program is the high impact coach, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure why. I had a friend request for me and I know I it's the high impact stuff, but yeah, that's I'm, why. I'm, I've been under my name for, uh, for quite a few years. And even in my fitness business before I was serving, you know, trainers and, and coaches, you know, I was always under just Rich Wellington, but yeah, recently we, uh, we sort of flipped that on its head with a grander vision, you know, what we're going to do. So high ticket PT, basically we help, personal trainers who don't have any sort of structure, any strategy, any sort of motivation sometimes to even grow their PT business. And we help them dominate their local area by showing them some real bare basic stuff all the way through to, you know, pretty advanced stuff, how to get into their own studio and gyms and things like that. So yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. And we were talking about grandiose visions before we went live as well, man. So, uh, and, and I'm sure that as we dive into this episode and kind of pe- give, giving people kind of a, a, an insight into your story, into your fit story, I'm sure that toward the end, we can talk a bit about what the, what the grandiose vision is, man. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, um, Rich Wellington, you said this the other day on social media about this episode. And uh, in the words, I'm going to use it, I'm going to quote you. In the words of Rich Wellington himself, this episode is going deeper than a Tinder date. There you go. Correct. I got it. Right. Yeah. So my first question, Disrespectfully bro. deep. Disrespectfully <laughs> deep. You know, where they put their, their hands on your thighs and they're just like, no. Like <laughs> that. Should, we, should we just tell the, li- like, just do it now. Put a fucking disclaimer out that this episode may contain a lot of really bad language and, oh, yeah. uh, and and also, there's no filter here. This is a completely unique pod, yeah. unique and authentic podcast. So if you're not looking That's for some important. swear words, not looking for some naughty bits, you can just you can just switch off now. However, bro, let's actually dive into your fit story now because I'm really excited to hear it. I know you, and I know of you, and I know of your brand as well. But what I don't know is all of the bits before it. I don't know your story, and it's always my favorite question as well. The first one because it's all related to your backstory. So it's related to everything way before fitness, way before you, you know, you knew how to even count your macros or train or any of that stuff. Say, say we're starting a movie, right? Mm. And the character building is being done. And it's the early stages of the film, right? What do those scenes look like for Rich Wellington? The real early stuff, all of the backstory. Um, you would see a young boy with no father being taken to school by a single mother. That would be the, that would be the opening scene. That's an opener. So let's dive, let's, let's dive in there and unpack it, bro. Let's talk about uh, the backstory. Like you'd be as vulnerable as you want to get with it and share what you want. But that's really, I feel the most powerful part of the podcast is when people can really hear people's backstories, you know, and really relate to them on a, cause everyone grew up. Everyone had a childhood, right? So it's probably the most relatable part. So let's unpack it, bro. What was life like for you at the beginning of that movie, of your movie? <laughs> of your yeah. movie? I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to claim like, oh my God, like you need to feel sorry for me or anything like that, you know, because I've done my work on myself and I've, you know, spent the time crying and, and what have you. But, but basically, life, life was, you know, life was pretty hard. Life was pretty shit. You know, when I was little, my dad, uh, my dad left for whatever reasons when I was like 18 months old. And then basically, um, I've got two younger brothers as well. And we've all got different fathers. And 
for whatever reason, my mum ended up in the situation where, you know, she was always on her own, always having like people take advantage of her and things like that. And then um, I think it must have been when I was about five years old, maybe a bit just slightly younger. And my youngest brother's dad, he sort of bounced onto the scene. At the time, we were living in the middle of the country. We're actually living um, a little town called Tibshelf in Derbyshire. And that was the first school I'd ever been to. And he waltzed onto the scene, bearing in mind, here's a woman with that's on benefits and with two young children, you know, trying to make life work. And he bounced onto the scene on, on a date, you know, in his Mercedes and he's the head of one of the largest packaging companies in the whole of the UK and Israel. And um, my mum thought, you know, the sort of prayers have been answered. Nice guy. You know, he's going to look after us financially. Brilliant. Um, turns out that was actually like the nightmare of our life right there. So this guy basically, and this is my little brother's father remembering that still. But mm-hmm. yeah, basically we went through years of abuse you know, sexually, verbally, physically. And I had to watch my mum getting smacked around and, you know, listening to my brother getting smacked around on the bunk bed underneath me and stuff. So that was a pretty dark time in our lives, Mm -hmm. in all honesty. And then through the attempted exit, you know, of that from my mum, that left us in places like uh, emergency housing, you know, in the UK, for any of the American listeners that are sort of tuning in. And, um, you know, we've, we've been in places where, you know, we had rats and, you know, I've got like scars on my fingers where I've mm-hmm. been bitten by, you know, sort of animals in these places and stuff. So, yeah, life was pretty fucking tough when I was younger. Um, I guess when you're younger, though, you don't realise it's tough. No. Just think that's, just, like, that's just yeah. how it is. It's just the way it is, yeah. Yeah, so you become conditioned, right, to just believing that's how life is. And, like, I remember, like, birthdays and Christmas, uh, Christmas is most years, where even like things from pound stretcher were just not even doable. And I'm talking back in like the nineties and you know, things like that. So yeah, it's fucking, it was difficult. Mm, yeah, it was mate, difficult. I so- did not know any of that, man. Uh, thanks for sharing dude. Cause I feel like, again, I just feel like I've connected with you on a whole new level. So thank you, mate. Yeah. And I think that's why I, I love listening to Perry so much, you know, talk about his stuff. You know, and, and obviously you as well, Matt. But I think I can find a bit more relatability, you know, with with, uh, with Perry's story, you know, about the abuse and things like that. Because, you know, sort of went through a portion of that and I had to watch my brother having all that shit done to him as well. So, yeah, it's pretty shit. Mm. But um, that, that all changed when we moved. We actually moved up here to Yorkshire. I was actually born in Scarborough. So literally like the next town along. And then when my mum finally got like released of uh, from the clutches of that relationship, because at the time she had nothing, she had no money, no income, and she had three children now that she had to care for. And it's like, where where do you turn to? What do you do without putting us back into all these like emergency homes and housing and things like that? So what ended up happening was um, we lived up here, and then my granddad died. Now my nan and my granddad they actually uh, did a portion of helping me like, bring me up when I was younger before we moved down to Derbyshire. So when my granddad died, that was like devastating, mm. Pro- properly devastating. And, um, and also my mum was adopted. So this nan and granddad that I'm talking about were my mum's adopted parents from her being born. So that adds to the fucking plot a little bit more, right? Wow. Um, 
It's almost like I'm making it up. <laughs> <laughs> now tell us the real story. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's fucking mental. So my mum, like recently, my mum's been talking about this for a few years. She was like, people just wouldn't even believe it, would they, if we told them? I was like, no. So she's like thinking about writing a book mm. for our benefit so we can hear from her side some of the depths of stuff that basically she'd be too overwhelmed to just talk about yeah. if she was just sat in front of us. And also, you know, just something we can then pass to our boys and and so mm. on so they know they come from actually something that was non, non-existent to begin with and actually now there's like a partial legacy being created for their benefit you know mm. don't take the fucking piss out of it we didn't come <laughs> from like silver spoon backgrounds we actually came from literally nothingness and being adopted you know mm. so um yeah my granddad died and at the time my nan had they had a house over in scarborough and she basically sold it and we all bought a, a three-story house here in Bridlington. So that house was funded from my grandma and granddad's house. And she lived on the bottom floor and that was like her home. And then my mum and my three brothers, uh, my two brothers, uh, three of us, we all lived on the top two floors and that was in Brid. And that was wow. back in 96, 97 sort of time, maybe. Mm. Sort of like, yeah, so I've been about nine, something like that at the time. So obviously experienced quite a bit of turmoil up to up until that point. Mm. And then this is kind of almost where we've settled a little bit since then. Um, yeah, and then, then some crazy things started happening thereafter. But I don't, I don't want to obviously... You know, uh, we'll, we'll dive into that in a sec. But first off, I, I just found some huge relatability in what you was talking about with your, with, your mo- with your mother's situation because it's very much the same for... I don't know if you've heard on a couple of the other podcasts when I've opened up and spoken about it, but sexual abuse is just absolutely rife in my family it was everywhere everybody everybody had been abused at some point mm-hmm. and it actually all stemmed back down from um my mum so my mum was abused so much when she was younger and um that that's why at the time obviously growing up she, it was difficult growing up and i think as you get older you you just you see it differently like back then i was like you know why is my mum aggressive and why is she angry a lot and why is she emotionally and manipulative to us and why is she controlling and blah 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 and I had that mentality up until probably when I was about and this is going to seem silly but probably up until around 25 26 where I really was able to when I started to think about my story more and I was able to really see it from a different side and to know that she'd been through a lot of shit herself um it it just gives you a different perspective you know I really do feel and it's something that I think I don't actually i i am grateful for the pain i'm grateful for going through this stuff i'm grateful that my family have, have had that happen because it's enabled me to see the the good in such a different light you know like what i have now with my daughter she's never gonna have to fucking keep her milk cold in a in a, in a sink full of cold water yeah overnight she's never gonna have to do that she's never gonna have to fucking experience some of the things i had to experience but for me to have gone through it and for you and for Perry to have gone through that stuff and it all happened at such a young age for all of us by the sounds of it. Um, I just find that that is the gift of this. We have to kind of, all of those years we, we held on to that pain, but it was actually a gift. It's actually a gift to, to have that happen, you know? Yeah. Would you agree with me oh, on that? 100%. A- absolutely. I was a victim to it for a lot of years. Mm. Um, massively. And I think... I did, I did a post yesterday, a buddy messaged me that I was in the military with, and he was like, can you believe it was 12 years, you know, since we've passed our basic training? 
And then I started reflecting on that before I replied to him. And I, ended, I wrote a post um, sort of really late last night when I was laid in the bath, just sort of thinking about it. And I actually used the, the love towards my mum, my brothers, and what we'd been through as a weapon to actually get through, you know, the, the tougher parts of training and my trade training and then pretty much everything I've done in life, you know, since thereafter. Um, I actually, I actually uh, used to pretend like if I didn't achieve that or get to that point or if I couldn't hold that rifle out or if I couldn't hit that mark or if I couldn't carry my buddy or drag him through the mud, like something terrible would happen to them. Mm. And you see, it's like quite difficult when you've been a child like watching your mum and your brothers getting hurt, and you don't have the physical ability to be able to stop it. That was honestly one of the reasons why as soon as I hit 16, like I just wanted to be as big and as strong as I could. Mm. Like, so I could just like, I was like then a physical weapon as well as a psychological weapon to stop any more harm happening to them or anybody else. Mm. Most like a human shield. I guess that's yeah. how I still see myself in life, partially, in all honesty. Do you know, it's interesting you say that based on what we were talking about off of this podcast, where you'd mentioned about that's why you just want to serve people. Like, you just love to serve people. There's a direct link there, for sure. Oh, 100%. Like, mm. definitely. I think what happened to us and what happened to me and how I've, like, processed it and dealt with it, without a doubt, you know, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't be the same person, you know, without all that stuff. And I used to see it like a, a disability almost, like I'm never going to be um, straightforward thinking or as focused as all these other people that got a pretty regular upbringing. But actually now I see it as like a gift, like mm. it's, it's my fucking superpower. Mm. And I sort of switched the way of thinking towards that probably about three or four years ago, um, just did some real deep work started talking about it that was a mm. that was a real big thing which actually in, in all honesty caused more problems not for me but between me and the relationships with like my mum and my brothers because i yeah. started talking about it publicly yeah you know my brothers my brothers heavy. wanted to obviously not have me talk about it oh that's enough now you can stop fucking talking about all this shit because obviously they didn't want to surface their pain because yeah. i was ready to and they weren't right bro yeah. I'm so fucking glad you brought that up, man. Something that we speak to a lot of our clients about, you know, is there's a lot of fear around people sharing their story, but it's not necessarily like they're ready. They're actually internally come to the point where you know, they're ready to actually share. It's, it's what holds most people back is sharing, is sharing it. Uh, sorry, not sharing it because they feel like it's going to affect someone who's in who's directly related to the story. So the mum, the sister, the brother, the uncle, whoever mm -hmm. it is, that's the fucking big thing that stops people doing it. So just whilst we're on the subject, how did you overcome that for yourself? Well, I was just thinking about that while, while you were talking there, actually. I think the first time I, I really opened up about how I felt towards it all was day, day zero, they call it, in military training. Day zero is like uh, a bit of a feel-out day. And you've got 14 days. Um, it was when I went through anyway, 14 days where if you decided it wasn't for you, you know, you could sort of say, look, this ain't for me, give a solid reason, and you could pack your bags and fuck off, basically. Day zero, my corporal, who was at the time highly intimidating, <laughs> you know, you've got this razor-sharp guy with, like, a fucking solid jawline, <laughs> he's got his pace stick, and a peak of his hat was fucking down here, and he'd been in the fucking powers and stuff. I was like, holy shit, 
Like, if I'm going to learn to be a man, I'm going to listen to this fucking dude. He's <laughs> been there and got it and got the fucking medals, right? And he sits us down in the common room downstairs and basically he said, right, pens and papers. He said, you're going to write a letter. Like, what you've, what you've currently experienced through life, why you're here, why you're going to get through it, what have you got to offer the fucking queen and the country and the rest of the fucking world with what you've been through. And um, basically fucking sat there and just poured my fucking heart out onto this fucking paper. Basically because I've been told and I was like, I respected this fucking person. And he was like, and he, and he just, the way he delivered it as well, I could just tell he meant it, you know, like sincerely that he wanted us to just be ourselves on this bit of paper. And um yeah, I just I started writing it all down. So I, th- I guess that was like a, a bit of an opening point for me. And then there was a few other more p- points like that as well, you know, during training where I was really starting to learn like who I was. Because before that point in time, I was having to almost shield, like protect myself and not, not be able to express who I really was. But in this environment, I had the opportunity to almost not reinvent myself, but like unveil who I was, you know, I didn't have to be like the person that now still protected my mum and my brothers and do all this other stuff in the family business. I was now, my nickname in the RAF was Tank. I'll tell you, if you want, if you're really interested about the story and I'll tell you all about it, but I was basically Tank for my military career because of like a particular thing that I did, you know, during basic training. So yeah, I think that was the, that was the, Mm. the opening of the worms. I, I, do you know that's that's awesome, man? And I feel like just whilst we're on the subject, before we kind of narrate back to the the point where you're like nine, ten years old, um, just to keep it on on subject of of what we're talking about, I feel like speaking about it, stage one, writing and and seeing it for yourself is like the step before that. You know, really actually going in to do the deep work, but with yourself, like just looking at your story from an outside perspective as if you're reading a book that someone else has written you know is is definitely one of the best ways to do it and what we find especially with a lot of our clients is this program it isn't we don't we don't we don't angle fit story as being a business development program we what we actually know that it is and i reckon you'll be able to validate this it's personal development which bleeds into business then optimizes marketing that's essentially the the system that 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 happens. And what we've seen with countless clients is that in the first couple of weeks, when they go through this fit story formula and they're, and they're starting to go through their identity shift, it's just light bulbs going off fucking everywhere. It could light up New York. It literally is like people, we get messages every other day of people going, I had this revelation that my fucking, this is why I did this. And this is why I've done that. So I feel like that's really the first stage is, 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 is writing the shit out, you know, and just if it is a letter to yourself, like the mate you got you to do, amazing place to start would you agree with that bro 100 percent. yeah people 100%, like like when i do two two like unlimited uh, amount of time calls with people before i start working with it. it's only recently with high ticket pt we've started looking after people in groups everything before this has all been one-to-one so high-end long-term deep work before i even attempt to take somebody on I need to understand that they're ready to wear everything on the outside and just and be themselves because otherwise I'm going to be spending my time with them and it could just all be, you know, 
false information. Mm. I don't know if we're going to come up against roadblocks. Mm. So I literally go from like day zero from them being born to present day to figure out like, where's like, where's the blockage going to be? Where's the stoppage point going to be with this person? What's going to come up? What's going to make them scared? What are they going to be fearful of? Mm. Once I start giving them things to go out and do, you know, with their business and, you know, start getting clients and stuff. So yeah, hundred percent agree. 100% agree. It has to be deep. If it's not deep, then it's pointless. For sure. And before we move on, you, Rich, mentioned earlier on about the post that you wrote. Now, I I read that post and I thought it was a phenomenal post. Um, And two things that stood out for me. One, you was talking about your mum, the love pulling you through some tough times. And then the other one was the fact that, that you mentioned that there was a time when you didn't believe that you were bright, intelligent, or had the capabilities of being a leader. I just wanted to try and figure out where do you think that stemmed from? Um, I didn't go to school much. I'm the least qualified person you'll ever meet. The British, <laughs> the Brit, the British military uh, provided me with um, not just the qualifications side, but also actually I've got a wickedly high IQ. <laughs> like I didn't even know, I didn't even realize. But I think because of my acute awareness in like situations like I had to be really aware of everything I was doing and what my brother was doing so we didn't get hurt when I was little mm. so that made me really perceptive of other people's emotions and their actions and everything they were doing so and I think as that helped me develop as an ENFP probably you know probably in in part because we're already quite good at that anyway or maybe that drove the stake in to make sure like this guy's definitely a fucking ENFP but um sorry what was the question again i'm going way off <laughs> about how you mentioned that there was a time when you didn't believe that you're bright or intelligent or had the capability of being a leader so sorry yeah so yeah i barely went to school basically so um we sat down and calculated how many times we've moved house so mum like i told you about the book she's been writing uh, i've moved house over 30 times i've been to 20 plus schools i went to a school for one day once because we had to run away from my brother's father right because he was coming to get us basically so i remember you know an austin metro just being packed up to the roof with us in there and we were off to like the next place so we could not be hurt so i'm used to going into places getting to know the people and becoming friends very quickly and connecting with them because that's what we had to do yeah, that, that was just what I was sort of forced hand of you're going to have to just get to know people and become friends because you otherwise know, you're going to be learners. What's yeah. really cool is that, and this is again, kind of what we were talking about earlier about how the, the pain becomes the gift. And it, there's so many other benefits to it. Like you're leveraging what you went through to build an online business or to build an offline business. Like you're leveraging that. The fact that you could go into a place and you learned very young that you needed to like assess people, figure them out, get to know them, create connections. It's de- like, look what's happened. Lord, you have to do a new fucking business. You know, what, what do people have to go and do then? So it's, it's so true. Like all of those things, it's just like the, the, they're just gifts that are there. Although sometimes they're disguised as pain or they're disguised as, as a challenge or disguised as being shitty, a real fucking shitty situation. It's actually when you unpack it and, and it might take some time, it might take some years, but we figure out then like why that actually happened, you know, yeah. why that actually had to go down that way for us to be able to be here now, you know? Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So like school, school for me and like, knowing if I was intelligent, I didn't know that if I was capable or not, 
you know i knew that i loved being around people that was the fun part of being at school for me and having friends and having the social life and um funnily enough i dabbled in like the combined cadet force you know when i was younger and things like that but yeah i walked away with fails some of some uh, some of like GCSEs and things, I just didn't even turn up to do them. Because at the time, just going back to where I was, we sort of bought the house and we all moved in together, two years later, 1998, was when um, the family business was initiated. It was a little funny story, you know, behind how that started as well. So at the time when I was doing my GCSEs, I was 15. because I'm like, birthday in August, like Perry, I think. I think we're yeah. both Leos, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, they were trying to get me to go back in like the May and the June to do my GCSEs in like 2003, 2002, something like that. And I basically, I just like phoned up. I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. I don't need your GCSEs. <laughs> I was like, I'm already making more than the head teacher's making in the family <laughs> business. Literally, I was as bold as that. And I just said, I realized I actually don't need certifications or anything like that to actually get ahead in life. Mm, how yeah. fucking true is that? I wish we had a bomb that we could set off. To- <laughs> But the crazy thing it was, like then a few years after that, you know, I got to be in a sort of, I don't know, sort of 19. And then all of a sudden I was craving knowledge. I was mm. like, because at the time I was inside the family business and I was working the doors as well, because at the time you didn't need a license and it was like 25 pounds an hour or something fucking ridiculous. I, I remember those days we used to yeah. have like the most dodgy looking cunts on the doors as well, didn't we? In these pubs and that. Well, like, imagine you, meeting me, right? Yeah. Imagine meeting me. What a treat that would be, right? <laughs> I remember there was some guy where, where I used to live and when I started first ever going to pubs, I was way too young, but we used to be able to get in. And uh, I remember some of these dudes, they just look like your worst nightmare, you know, like tattoos all over their heads and fucking, <laughs> fucking you know, spiders webs and mate, stuff. Yeah. scars on their fucking faces and all sorts. Yeah. And you're like, this guy, like, I'm just not even going to bother messing about in it. Like, nah, it's not happening. I remember that. And then they brought yeah. in the SIA license and it started, then you ended up with like teenagers on the door, you know, yeah. it's just a completely yeah. just flipped on. Oh yeah. Head. So I, wor- I worked with all of those drug dealers. I worked with all of those on the doors. Yeah. Dodgy bastards, proper dodgy bastards. <laughs> oh my God. Mate. So I want to actually go try and um, pull this back a little bit to, to when you were nine, 10 and what happened? Cause we haven't spoke about like where fitness was introduced yet. So mm. um, obviously you mentioned um, getting to kind of nine, 10 years old and you're at this point, at what point did you then introduce fitness or fitness become introduced to you? And, and I, I'm just interested to dial into that. Yeah, I was, I was hyper fit as a, as a young kid, like hyper fit. So when we moved to Brid and we got that three-story house, when I started at primary school here in this, this is where we live now in, in Bridlington. Um, when I, as soon as I went to, into year seven, so it's like the big boy school, right? And I was like, you know, 11, 12 years old, I got a circle of three best friends uh, and we all started skating. And we skated seven days a week after school and we were swimming and everything. So there's no, it wasn't fitness. It was just, we were out and we were jumping off roofs and we were fucking, you know, grinding rails. And, you know, we were on the fucking seafront jumping over shit. And, you know, we were on skate videos and everything. We were fucking good at what we did, you know, back in the, the late 90s and early 2000s. And I didn't even realize at the time you know, I was just building this like engine where I just fucking keep going and going and going off hardly any food. 
or maybe like a tin of fucking Coke or something like that and a fucking tray of chips off the seafront. You know, so that's, that's where fitness was introduced for me. And then um, I was a part of every sport team at school. I was on the basketball team because I was fairly tall at the time. Um, I was on the football team. I played tennis, played badminton. I was like, you know, I was running. I was doing long jump, all the athletic stuff. I just loved it because, again, it's like a physical output for me, mm. which I didn't realize at the time. I needed that physicality side of me because of, I guess, I think, I don't know if I'd associated with like what had happened to us or whether it's just like, because I'd not experienced a lot of masculinity in the house because I'd been brought up by my mum. I sort of needed to feel that like, that fucking grind and that mm. fucking fist on the back of my head or whatever it might be. You know, I, d- I don't know. I've not quite worked that out for myself yet. Mm. But yeah, sport, sport was always, always a thing for me. Always. always a big chunk of your life. And, uh, and then obviously that then spilled over to the military. So how, how do you then go from, from there? you know, fucking about in skate parks and, and recording videos to, to then getting into the military. Like, I, I want to really dial in on this bit and ask a few questions around it. I think this is the bit that I've been most excited to ask questions on too. <laughs> yeah, so that, that happened way before the military. So basically, when I left school, there was a... 1998 was when the family business started. So we had local shops uh, here in this town and then the next town along in Driffield. And we were like the PC world of curries, what now is, but locally. So my mum was a, she's a graphic designer and she didn't realize at the time, she'd never even been on a computer before. And my stepdad, who's a policeman, brought back a computer. I said, and she was like, why the fuck do we need a computer? Anyway, long story short, she ended up sitting down and being really fucking great in Microsoft Paint. Imagine trying to design something in Microsoft Paint and she managed to draw <laughs> stuff, right? And I was like, I came home and I was doing IT at school. I was like, how have you done that? She's like, I don't know. I've just sat here and I've played about and it's really fun. And I was like, that's like a painting in Microsoft Paint. <laughs> you know, this type of stuff that you see yeah. like some Indian guy do now on YouTube. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, shit. <laughs> she did that and she was, at the time she was working at a local nursery and the local nursery had run out of flyers. And... They said, oh, we're going to have to get them reprinted, but they cost a lot of money, so we need the committee to come up with some money. And my mum was like, this flyer? She's like, yeah. She's like, well, we've just got a computer, and I reckon I can, I reckon I can copy this and maybe, maybe even make it a little bit better. Do you want me to have a go at it? They're like, oh, I would love that, Dev. You'd save us so much money. So that's what she did. She turned back up, you know, printed this design off our little printer or whatever. And like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Maybe we can send this file off to get printed. It'll save us loads of money. So that's what they did. At the time, there was a magician, a local magician, who was taking his kids to this nursery. And he literally he got one of these new flyers. And he went to the owner and said, who's just designed this for you? Oh, well, actually, Debbie did it this time. And he was like, he literally went up to mum and went, you're my new designer. He's like, here's my number. Call me on Monday and you can come around for a meeting. Wow. And that was her first ever design job. Basically, the house that we lived in, the three-story house, the bottle ended up turning into the shop. And we'd have people coming from 7 o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock at night, buying design work, print work, ink cartridges for the printers that we used to stock for our own. Then that moved into a massive shop in the middle of Brid. And basically, we just dominated all the town's print work, design, 
and we went into business with a guy at the time who was doing computers, repairs, building them, you name it, everything all under one roof. We ended up buying him out eventually because he couldn't keep up with the pace of things. So I grew up with a business in the bottom of my house and I was answering the door and selling ink cartridges over the doorstep to strangers. Wow. Right, go sell this. Cool. And I was like, right, does this fit your printer? What printer have you got? I was like 11, 12 years old. As soon as we opened the shops, I was coming home on a night time, taking my school jumper off, and I was serving people in the shop. I was selling them computers. I was fixing stuff in the back, getting taught by all these fucking Microsoft certified guys. You name it, I was doing design work. So then when the second shop opened, which was the exact time when I was leaving school in that summer of the 2003, I just I became the manager. So I just ran the shop with three staff underneath me and we dominated Driffield as well with everything that we were doing. Wow. So that was the transition from being like sport, fitness, you know, like skater guy. And all of a sudden, like I had to drop everything that I was doing before. And I just had this huge passion for just being in front of people and solving their problems. Yeah. Serving, solving. I love that, man. Yeah. That's fucking dope. So that's that's probably why then you, you do what you do now, as in the, the 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 foundation as an entrepreneur is was setting really fucking young. Hundred yeah. percent, yeah. So like my my stepdad, who I still love, um the my mum and him are not together anymore. They actually broke up quite a few years ago. But his communication skills, because he used to come and work in the shop as well. So I used to watch from being sort of, you know, again, really young, him and my mum talked to customers. And obviously he was very, very good at bringing people down in situations, you know, talking, taking them from being angry to walking away with a computer in their hands. So I was watching this highly trained police officer, like talk to people. So I was just absorbing it all, like how you go about certain situations. So that just became second nature for me. Mm. And compound that with my um, ability to understand how people are feeling and what they need because of what happened to me when I was younger. And again, all of a sudden I'm like, I'm like a fucking superhero, 15, 16 year old. That's like, um, operates like someone perhaps in their thirties, you know, in that scenario. So yeah, we, um, we did a really great job with the, with the family business and the shops. That is crazy, man. I know that for me, with, with, within entrepreneurship, like it was drug dealing. That was really where it surfaced for me. When I was yeah. younger, I used to be a right little shit. Um, but I was, <laughs> but, I, but I had a good heart. I had a big heart, you know, and, and I was just, I look back now and I was just misguided. And I believe that's what a lot of these young lads that are out there slinging gear, that's, that's what I believe. I don't believe they're inherently bad. I think that, you know, there's, there's some of them are, but I think that it's just misguided. I was misguided completely. And if I'd had someone guide me in the right direction and, and with something legitimate, I could have got into entrepreneurship in a legitimate way, much younger. <laughs> and actually, you know, it would be infinitely different now. But again, like we could, we could talk about that and say, this is the thing, isn't it? The story that we've lived is the reason why we're here. You know, so yeah. no matter what it was that we went through, what we did, it's the reason why it all became part of why we're here today on this fucking podcast, which to me is mind blowing. Yeah. It's cool, right? It's, it's cool. crazy, isn't so it? That's hey, I'll tell you like something inception. funny. Yeah. I'll tell you something funny. But so before I, I left school, obviously I had access to computers, the high spec, you know, DVD writers, you name it. And then 
my mum and I and my stepdad, we used to love going to one of the local markets, one of the local car boots. And my dad knew all the dodgy bastards in town. Obviously, he was a policeman, <laughs> right? So he knew to go up to him and be like, right, you know, I want that DVD. I want these fucking MP3s. So at the time, it wasn't, it was really hard for companies to crack down on like, you know, CD copying, DVD copying. So what I figured out really quickly, I could go to Dodgy Dave, I could get a list of all these CDs and DVDs, I could buy that current list, I could loan a couple of hundred pound from mum and dad, and then I had a tower at home, and I used to go into school, and I used to sell DVDs and CDs to my teachers and head teacher. <laughs> so I used to literally walk around school like 12, 13, 14, I had hundreds of pounds in my bag and my pocket, and I had orders. So across from the school, there was a council estate. And I had friends that lived on there. And I used to print out my order sheets and price lists. And they used to hand it out to everybody on the council estate. So on oh. a Christmas and things like that, I used to basically just go around with orders and just collecting money for all these copied DVDs and CDs. So again, like yourself, you know, with the drugs and stuff, you don't realize at the time, it's just fun. These people need it. And it's at a cheaper price than they're going to buy it in Woolworths. So I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm like Robin Hood. Bro, <laughs> it's, it's like you learn so much, you know, and I, that's in my book that I am writing, it will be out at some point, maybe in 2020. But in there, I talk about, you know, how doing that drug dealing, whilst it was, I look back and I would definitely not condone it. Mm. Um, it taught me all about customer service. It taught me yeah. all about retention, it taught me all about getting referrals taught me all about how to fucking solve a problem. If someone's problem was that they couldn't get hold of something at four in the morning, I was there to solve the problem, you know, yeah. and, and get paid for it. And I do feel like that was a huge, as, as controversial as it is to talk about that and to talk about drugs and drug dealing being used in a way that's actually to your advantage. Like it is just part of my story. It's part of what I did. And I'm fucking so happy that I did it because exactly. I would be lacking a lot of skills right now, bro. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I would have had to have bought someone's digital course or, or some shit, you know, to figure some of this stuff out. So I'm fucking happy that I did that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool, man. So, bro, I want to I wanna kind of dive in venture now toward help. why you're helping other people. And obviously, we've, we've spoken a lot on this episode so far about why you inherently want to help people. But you know, serving the particular niche that you serve now mm. and, uh, and helping these coaches in, in high ticket, in, in high ticket PT with their businesses. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. Like what, what then made you, if we can want to skip a few from where you just, where you were just at to, to then leaving that and dropping that, I don't know what happened, but hopefully you can fill us in to then being into the fitness industry as someone who's then serving a different market and niche. Like that's, that's really the piece I'd love to dive into. Yeah, got it. So, I mean, my, my evolution, again, I left the family business. I went and sold cars and vans. I then went and sold for an international um, company that imported and exported specialist woods for houses and log cabins. And I was their sales manager for the entire of the UK. I was then working on the doors while I was doing that. And that's when I realized and I looked around when I was on the door one evening, I was like, shit i want to learn more i want to see more of the fucking of the world i need to i'm like i'm hungry for something and i missed it as well um and that's basically the next day i drove myself so i've got no one else in my family's been in the military i don't know anybody that was in the military i literally drove to the afco you know to the armed forces careers office in hull 
the next day and was like, right. And I just walked up to whoever the guy that looked the friendliest, basically. And there was like a para and he was just like, looked like he was like fucking tear me in two. <laughs> and there was a Royal Marine who looked semi-friendly and there was a Navy guy who I think wanted to finger me. And then there was an army guy, but he was like wandering off. And then there was an RAF guy who was sat there in the jump, a cup of tea, nice mustache. And he sort of, you know, wave, gave me a smile, thought, yeah, you're going to be all right to talk to. I'm going to be able to get on a length with you. I ended up walking away with an information pack on being, you know, involved in intelligence and IT and communications. And I was going to get Microsoft certified, Cisco certified. It's the longest trade training in the military, but you get all of this and all these benefits and you put onto a higher rank, uh, you know, and a higher salary and all this stuff. And you go, you know, put satellites up into space and you can go get involved with, uh, you know, top secret, you know, stuff. And I was like, this sounds right up my fucking street. Sign me up. Um, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Sign, sign me up. And I went through that transition and I was just all in. Trained for it, you know, went crazy for it. You know, went and did the induction days, passed basic training, went through my trade training. And then I did it for a period of time. Now, the reason why I've always done everything is because I fucking love being with people, right? That's, that's always been the, the cornerstone thing without me realizing it. I get fed by, um, you know, having my own, like, focused alone time, but then being around people that I enjoy actually spending my time with that I feel like I can give something to them and vice versa. I was put in a situation when I was in the military where I had to spend a lot of time on my own behind a steel door. This is like the non-glamorous part about what people think the fucking military is. And, you know, you hand your phone in, you get scanned in and out. And then I was spending 14 hours on my own. And I did that for X amount of time. And I realized I was actually really depressed. And because of what I was read onto, i.e. what I was allowed to see, what I was allowed to actually handle and talk about, um, they were really reluctant to actually move me anywhere else, i.e. they fucking wouldn't. I needed to sit out a period of time doing that particular thing because now I'm just an asset, right? Mm. <laughs> They've invested so much money into me and now need to be used through this period of time. So I had to basically kick and scream to leave because I was just like, didn't want to be there, hating my fucking life. I just wanted to get out. Mm. So that that very small end part there was like, the sort of the, the not bitter, but I realized why they had to do it because they're still a business. At the end of the military of is still a fucking business. So I left and because I wanted to do something else. Now, before I left, the six to sort of 12 months before that, I'd actually set up a medical supplies business. So at the time, I was importing and exporting needles, syringes, sharps, bins, uh, bacteria, static water to like um, from Germany and then exporting it back out to Africa and to all third world countries. So we were a business that was supporting medical supplies to all these places that couldn't otherwise get it so they could have their injections to stop them from getting disease and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I basically transitioned from, uh, I was making more money than the people that were in command of me at the time. Wow. So they were like, why are you driving in with that car? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, well, kind of what you don't know. <laughs> you know. On my off days, I'm kind of making syringe deals. Uh, <laughs> so I basically left and just, just operated this business uh, for a How long was you in there for? Uh, the five years. Yeah, five years. Long enough. Mm. Long enough for definite. Four, um, year, four years too long, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's good. I really did enjoy it, yeah. and it, I get I've got a lot of fond memories 
Um, but I think that one time you get that shit job, that's where it really tests. Mm. Like, am I really, do I really want to be depressed? Do I really want to be like a caged animal? And that's kind of how I felt. Yeah. And a wild mind like mine, spending time on your own, it's not fucking good. So, yeah, anyway, I operated this, um, you know, medical supplies business and realized after I'd been doing that for a few years, making great money, really great money, had a great, great suppliers, great people that are buying from us. I actually caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror in the home office and I was sat in my pants and I didn't have to get dressed to run this business. I didn't have to do anything hardly. And um, it was literally a case of orders would come in, I'd relabel it, and then the same guy put it back on his truck and take it back out again. And I caught a glimpse of myself. And I was just sat there with like crumbs on me in my pants. And I was like, I'm back in the same situation. <laughs> You've done it again, <laughs> you knobhead. <laughs> so what, what I did at that point, I took control and I said, right, what do I really love? Love fitness because when I left the military, I was like 20 plus stone, really strong, big fucking unit. Actually, about the same weight that I am now, but not in condition because of the depression that I experienced. Right. Yeah. So I did a 60 day juice cleanse. I just got into like, you know, high intensity interval training. I was, you know, handstand walking, you know, pull ups with loads of weight. I was just like, I was in peak condition. I'll show you some pictures sometimes so you can have a wank. <laughs> um, but I like basically cleansed my body of all the red meat I was eating every day. I felt amazing. I like went through raw veganism, veganism felt fucking fantastic. And I was like, I want to be involved in like health and fitness. I want to like show people like maybe this side of it, maybe not the extreme that I'd sort of taken myself to, but what they can do. So I went out and I started driving up and down in the town that I was in. I was like, right, what can I do? And there was a health and leisure center. So I went in and I was like, you know, I'm looking to do this, that, and the other, you know, what's, you know, what's, what's, uh, what's sort of available. And the person was like, Oh, the person you want to speak to is called David Hanna. He's our CEO. I was like, cool. How do I get in touch with him? Mobile number, email. Perfect. Phone this guy up. And he was like, you sound like you're, um, you're ex-military. I was like, yeah, fucking hell. He sniffed that out quick. He was like, yeah, I'm a, I'm an ex-bootneck, ex-Royal Marine. I was like, holy shit. He was like, come to my office now. So I like drove back into town. It turns out this guy, CEO of this company, he'd gone gone into consult like three years ago, and all of a sudden he'd like been pulled in full time because he was so good at it, and he'd been looking for like a right hand man to come in who he could trust. I told him all about my life, my military experience, and he was like, "You're hired," <laughs> and he literally said, "Right, open my door." He said, right, Lynn, this guy's working for us now. We need to sort out his salary and stuff. And I was like, holy shit, what's going on? <laughs> Literally as quick as that. So he really like, I don't know if he threw me a bone or if it was, I need to give myself a little bit more fucking credit, you know, for what I'd been through and what I knew. But I ended up becoming like his inside man, as well as like an operations manager for a full council run operation, you know, for in the health and fitness industry. Wow. And he sent me to Sheffield and all over the country to meet all these guys that were running sites that were three, four times the size. And he was just like, I want you to learn about the health and fitness industry and how it operates and how it works, what's good about it, what's not, not good about it, how we make profit, how we lose profit. So over this like year and a half, I learned fucking loads. And I got mentored by someone who had like been doing it for years, you see. That's Do you it. think if you hadn't... 
if the universe or or or, or God or whatever people want to talk, would you say that if you hadn't met, you would have still gone down this path? Would you reckon? Yeah, I still would have been involved in in health and fitness in some form or factor. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. But then what it really showed me was again, I'm 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 still shackled. So now I'm I'm working for this company. Um, and it turns out the council actually cut funding to a certain part of the business. And David pulled me in. He's like, go set up your own fitness business. That's what you need to go do. He was like, they're cutting funding and a few of us are going to basically lose our positions. He said, I just want to give you a heads up because I fucking love you. What a dude. So oh. at the time, I was friends with a guy in the local fruit and veg shop, a Jehovah's Witness, right? I didn't know what a Jehovah's Witness was. And I was like asking him all these questions about what it's all about and stuff. And he was just a real nice dude. And he was a few years younger than me. And um, I'd gone in one day around about this same time. And he said, can I ask you a question? He says, I know, you know, like quite a bit about, you know, business and stuff, right? I was like, I know a bit. What, what's the problem? He said, that gym over the road, he's like, I've been going for six months. And the guy the other day said, do I want to buy it off him? And I was like, that's fucking cool. How much money? He told me. And he you know, said, oh, he'll do it on like a loan basis. Or I can go to the bank and get all the money. They said, I've already been approved for the loan. I was like, that's fucking cool, man. You can have your own gym. And he was like, yeah. I was like, fucking do it. I was like, does it already have members? He was like, yeah. I was like, can you make it look better and feel better and invite more people? He's like, 100%. He's dealing drugs under the counter at the minute to people. I was like, sweet, man. <laughs> so so he, he went and got this gym, you see. I left there and I walked in like a couple of days later and I was like, what are you up to? And he was like, well, I'm trying to get more members in. He's like, what are you doing? Oh, so I just walked out on a job. I said, oh, you know, I think I want to, be, want to do like run a fitness business or something. He was like, let's do classes. Why don't you run classes? He was an introvert. He was like, and he could see from every time I was meeting him in the fruit and veg shop, he was like, women around here would fucking love you. I was like, it's fucking right they would. <laughs> <laughs> but the Leo ENFP me was just like, it's fucking showtime. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, you created flyers, got PT kit sorted, £2.75 for a fitness class. And because he was a Jehovah, he knew all of the people in the area. And like, he was just really nice to everybody. So we just used to go around in pairs. And we just like, with a clipboard, do you want to come to the new fitness class we're starting up? Rich is going to be running it. It's fucking fit as a fiddle. Show me your abs. Awesome. Sign up. And within like a few weeks, I had full fitness classes, started pulling members from all the other places in town, and it just sort of grew from there. Wow. Dude, I, I, I've always had a, a lifelong ambition, especially when I got into fitness, to actually have a gym. It's something that I will invest in one day. I will yeah, sure. invest in a gym or, or, or I'll buy one out and, and get the staff in that I know need to create the experience that I want in, mm -hmm. in a gym. Because it's never, I can't fucking find it, mate. <laughs> I am a gym gypsy. I've been to a lot of gyms, right? I don't settle, man. I'm not one of these people. You can't fucking keep me down. If I go to your gym, you, you better believe I'm, I'm dating a few other gyms. Yeah, I'm out there. <laughs> And I'm fucking trying all the different day passes. And I just can't <laughs> find, I just cannot find something that, that like is, is the experience I would love. You know, I, mm. there's, there's elements of my, the experience I'd love in different gyms, but not in, 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 in one facility. And that, and that is what I would love to fucking invest in one yeah. day and create, you know, do you, you feel that? Yeah. yeah. 100%. I got asked by somebody the other day, I said, um, I said, dude, I'm really struggling with like, 
excitement in sessions and then like the same people coming back like you know a couple of times a week he was like did you ever experience that and I was like not sound like a dick but no I didn't (laughs) I was like I truly saw part of what I did making fitness fun and like to be entertaining when I was doing it and not even in like a forceful way like I just love being in front of people and showing them like yeah if you're doing press-ups on your own it's like being in prison but if you're doing press-ups with like these other people that you like and that you're friends with and like I can help you make a a joke and a laugh about it then you're going to keep coming back because you're like that was fun I actually feel really good about myself so I always saw my position as a trainer as a coach like just make it as fun as possible and that's how these people that hated fitness before and following some sort of plan to get them to adhere to it because now they're they're coming for their mates they're coming for a bit of entertainment value and to have the piss taken out of them yeah. you know and they're going to feel great at the same time so. yeah I, I remember when i was at the gym and um there there's always trainers that had problems with their classes and what was what i didn't understand was when they're training their clients that's their job when it's time for them to do a class that's the chore mm. right that's their chore in the gym and the members see it they see that you don't really want to be there telling them to do burpees and press-ups and it's all about just that shift that that mm. shift in in working i mean working with a class is not really different than working with somebody as a client as a human being at the end of the day helping yeah. to change their story right do you know there's a dude that i used to work in fitness first going back quite a few years now there was a dude who had uh, adhd it turned out to be his, his, his the biggest advantage he had because <laughs> honestly you you go to a spin class with that guy fucking hell man <laughs> like you, you uh, honestly it is another level of of experience with that dude so um but bro i kind of I know i'm very cautious of your time and, and we don't we although we could sit on here for probably another two i'm good for hours. time i'm good for time so you two just give each other the nod if you've got time or not super duper of course we do of course we do we've got time <laughs> for, you, bro. for you Rich. um but like there's a couple questions that i have on my mind now toward kind of as as we do wrap things up and what and the first one is and i'm going to use fucking bit of swear word here because hmm. you know it, it is it is a bit of me to use this word when in relation to this question what really fucks you off about the fitness industry mate oh let's go there's a few things i guess there are there there are a few things there's a lot of things happening and changing in the fitness industry at the minute going back to what i was saying before about keeping things fun and light but still being able to create communities and drive results with people there's a lot of these Nazi type coaches and nutritionists who everything is science based, everything is evidence based. And if it's not in uh, the fucking published medical fucking journal, then you don't do it. You know? And these people, oh, it's evidence based. That doesn't make that fucking guy a good dude. Mm. <laughs> this is what I'm seeing, right? So, a good friend of mine, Simon Mitchell, who does Iron Paradise Fitness stuff. He was talk- we were talking about this the other day, and he he has a, he has because he, he puts a lot of content out it's on all platforms, and he's got a content machine. Right, if you want to see someone in full content machine mode, this is one guy who produces all this stuff. This means he gets a lot of um, hate from other trainers. So he'll get guys come in and like put like you know the the uh, published medical journal links onto his posts and stuff. And then he'll be in these groups with these people and they're all just fucking hating on other people. There's no like building each other up or anything like that. 
it's just like over the top of each other and science, science, science. Whereas I think you know at least a little bit about me that I know that side of things, but you don't need to ram it down people's fucking throats. It's not interesting. People don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know, like when, um, so I got, I consulted for Dell, Intel, uh, and Asus when I left the, the REF, because that was my realm of, of knowledge, right? And I, not just on the technology, but I also trained their sales teams in the whole of the UK for all those companies. And the first thing I went in and did with those companies, they're all nerds, massive nerds, but like stereotypical looking nerds. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, but you'd be like, yeah, nerd. Yeah, nerd. Knows loads about fucking computers. Knows, knows about this. <laughs> I went in, I said, if anybody says the word gigahertz, megabytes, teraflops, capacitors, or anything like that today, you're fucking out of this room. I said, the reason why you're all shit at selling is because you're using big fancy words with the fucking general public and they don't fucking care. They don't give two fucks. So one thing that really does bug me about the health and fitness industry Coaches want to flex and make themselves feel really good uh, to general public and general population with like big fancy words. I'm like, mm-hmm. people don't say that. People say bingo wings. They say, yeah. oh, I'm a, I'm a fat fucker. Look at my fucking in the shit their fucking tummies around. And girls talk about how saggy their tits are and how saggy their, their asshole is. Talk to them like that. Yeah, don't so true. tell them about the mito fucking chondria in their quadricep. They don't fucking care. It's so true. I did a fucking podcast. I did a live on the um, certification flex the other day where people got MNU and PN1 all over their fucking thing. I'm like, people don't fucking care. Yeah, they're like, I see them and their bio, they waste room in their bio. Precious room in your bio for a fucking PhD or, or, or something like that. Trust, that's not doing your marketing any favors, by the way, no. guys. It's so true. You've got to speak to speak to your audience like humans you know i feel yeah. like the people do get lost a lot i almost feel like a lot of people want to go down that route of being really scientific because it's it kind of like they think that's the advantage but mm. it's it's actually not that much of an advantage i i gotta agree with you on, on that man for sure what else mate what else pisses you off about this industry they're coaching specifically in terms of because we've had this happen to us recently. Anyone well, listening to this? Bit like the business coaching side of things. Yeah, as well as that. Yeah, because I mean, just to give the listeners some context, something happened to Fit Story a, few, a couple of weeks ago. We had somebody... Have we covered this yet? We have not, not on a podcast. Oh, we have You probably oh, should, though. Um, yeah, but we, we had somebody who, uh, so again, someone who actually really respected, uh, we, we've, we supported, um, we'd helped, we guided, um, you know, just connected with on, on an emotional and human to human level. And uh, this guy had been through one of our masterclasses, which you could pick up either way inside the community. If you just type, type storytelling masterclass in the search bar, you can find it. Um, but he'd watched that. Uh, and, and then he had basically gone into our free community. We have a unit section there where there's all of this. We just give some really powerful content away, stuff that can really help you kind of move forward with your story selling, not just storytelling, but learning how to craft stories itself. And this guy has gone through all of the free information in the group, gone through the masterclass. And uh, this was like, I think what, 10, 12 days ago or something. I wake up in the Mm. morning and I'm on Instagram, like most people do first thing in the morning with their coffee, their on Instagram or Facebook. And I'm scrolling through these stories and I go past this guy's story and it's like, 
uh, teaching my students um, they're going to be storytelling savages, right? And and I stop because I recognize the dude's name very clearly, and I and then I also recognize very quickly all of the content. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> word for word, had taken fucking every single word, including our terminology. And I'm not saying he, he rephrased sentences. Fucking word for word, copied the entire lot of our fit story formula. This is the stuff that people get for access for free in the community, by the way. And then he was going to go and teach that to his clients with the base level experience that he has with what we teach, which is actually what any of you guys can get if you come and use our shit, right? But that isn't enough to be able to teach this stuff to other people. Just like with Rich and sales, you could learn some stuff off of him if you bought his course, but that isn't enough to be able to go and actually serve other people with. Like it's a base level of information that get, we're always one step ahead. Yeah, as coaches, we're always one step ahead. We're always one chapter ahead. So basically this guy had done that and um, honestly, I feel like that's the reason why I want you to kind of dive into this because I know that you're good friends with AJ, <laughs> good friends with AJ Morton as well, who runs the yeah. Mentorship Review Group. So um, yeah, dive into it, man. I mean, be as savage as you want. What's your thoughts on the whole copy content, carbon copy cunts? This is not yeah. censored as well, by the way. No, 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 I, I get that. I get that. Uh, that. That riled me up when we spoke about this, didn't we? You know, that fucking pissed me off something chronic because you're your brand, the Fit Story stuff is so unique. How did you ever fucking believe you were going to get away with it, you fucking minge bag? <laughs> but, like, what a, what a tool bag. So I think, that, I think that's the... I think that can be the thing as well in the industry. The thing you need to remember, you know, if you're a Fit Pro listening, watching this, is you are the unique mechanism in your business, right? Don't fucking copy people. Don't be one of them bags. Don't be one of them minge bags. And mm. if you're a fucking business coach listening or watching this, don't don't be a fucking don't be a tool. Don't be copying people. Just do your own fucking thing. Like clearly, and I hope you know you guys are fucking. Hopefully, all the dots are connected now, and hopefully, anyone listening, like what what I do is basically like it's 32 years worth of fucking life experience into what I fucking teach people. This isn't like. I've never been through, um, I know some people have, and this isn't a hate on anybody else, by the way, but I didn't, I've not been through like any Salvan stuff, traffic and funnels, any of the current guys and girls. Literally, I've had one fucking business mentor my whole fucking life. That's it. One, that's it. And that's for the fitness business. And that showed me a few things. I connected the dots there. And then everything else has been from unique perspective and experience in my own businesses and my own life. Use that shit, right? Use that stuff. Like these guys are with their fucking business as well. You know, you've connected to the dots and you've just amalgamated all that fucking awesome life experience to fucking push it back out. Mm. If you have to go fucking copy somebody, you're clearly doing it for the wrong fucking reason. Yeah. You're doing it to extract money from people's wallets, not to put fucking value back into their lives. And I think that's the thing that pains me the most, particularly with an audience like us as personal trainers. Most personal trainers that you speak to, they're heart-on-sleeve individuals that want to just help other people. So they're quite easy people to take advantage of, mm. if we're being really fucking honest. Because if you show them that, hey, I can help you serve more people, help change more people's lives, and make a bit more money, they're like, fucking tell me, show me. Don't fucking take the piss out of them. 
there's a yeah. there's a fucking big change coming in the industry and people that think they can do that and just cash in time after time off the back of these fucking personal trainers and these life-changing individuals they you were going to fucking pay for it yeah if you don't gonna... fucking pay for it guys like me over there to fucking smack <laughs> you in it's so true because and again, we, we, we plugged AJ in the, in the Fit Pro Mentorship Review Group. If you guys that yeah. are listening haven't checked that group out, it's Definitely essentially a group where you can, it's on Facebook, you could go find it. It's about two and a half thousand members in there. Uh, there's no business coaches in there to, uh, to AJ's knowledge. He's very tight on vetting people before they go in. So it is just fitness professionals, personal trainers, boot camp owners, et cetera, and online coaches that want to find an unbiased um unbiased feedback basically they want to give that unbiased feedback and also see that unbiased feedback in this group so that they it can help them make a decision on what type of mentors to hire and yeah. rich is dead right in in six months time as aj's group blows up and trust me when i say it it fucking will yeah. because it's a need in this market not a want it's not like a, oh i desire there would be a place i could go to find out if they, yeah. it's a need now and it's becoming more of a need because of people that take advantage of people like rich mentioned and it's happening everywhere it's not just with fitness business coaches that get their shit robbed and their dm strategies robbed and blah 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 it's also content there's people mm. in i we have someone who's been in our funnel for quite a long time she's grown very fond of us and us of her and she she had had her her copy copied and pasted and found on another fitness online fitnesses profile and she actually messaged the person and said, hey, what's going on? Like, I, I sent a screenshot of my post that I wrote a week ago and yours is like literally the same thing. So guys, this doesn't just happen at the level we're talking. It could be your content being ripped off. And imagine how you feel about that. That's not cool. It's you not know? cool at all. It's not cool. And, and that's, cool. And, 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 but then at the same time, it's also very good that it's happening because it means that people like AJ Morton, uh, uh, it means that now he is serving a fucking need in the market and it is and it's going to continue to be that way so people yeah. like the person who did it to us anyone that's done it to you or any other business coaches or whatever they won't last they will not last they get no. found out one way or another exactly so my, my prediction my prediction you hear it here first my prediction for the for the coaching industry and then honing on the, the fitness industry specifically that eventually there'll be a governing body that will basically uh, gatekeeper whether someone is allowed to coach other businesses in that particular subject or not and they'll have to jump through hoops in order to get accredited to do it because at the minute it's a wild fucking west yeah right mm, and there's no one true. doing it so by these little initiatives by like you know people that we've not heard of right now like they might not have heard of aj morton and all those other people that'll basically snowball That'll turn into something bigger and then they'll seek accreditation. And then, you know, well, I hope, I hope he does that. You know, I hope he mm. goes, it's a sort of hikes because then he's like the equalizer or that sort of concept. <laughs> he's like the equalizer where if people are doing wrong, they'll come in, he'll just fucking Denzel your ass shot down, <laughs> you know, and hang you out to dry, which yeah. what should happen with people if they're ripping people off, you know, stealing their money and things like that. Like I've literally, gone in to consult with other people in the fitness business coaching space, right? Big names, fucking big names, right? And I've had to exit rapidly because all of a sudden I've seen reviews in groups like that where they've like literally taken money off people and not delivered anything, you know, or not, um, 
they're supposed to get X, Y, or Z, and they've fallen short of the mark. And I've seen the messaging replies and stuff, and I'm just like, I can't fucking work with people like that. Yeah. So it happens. So don't believe everything that you fucking see up front, mm. right? You know, do do your due diligence. You know, 100%. if you're going to take people on board, and you know, I encourage people to go and talk to my previous clients or people I currently work with. I'm like, good, yeah, the same. You can do it. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah, actually do part yeah. of a part of a, I guess you could call it a strategy. Part of our strategy to get people, more people warmed up faster is, is, is literally if I'm speaking to a prospect in DMs or something like that, and I've got them to the point of where we're talking about what we do and how it might be able to help, I'll say to them, hey, here's four names of four of our clients, like at least connect with them on social media and just see how they're showing up online, see what type of content they're posting. Because honestly, like I think you take a lot of value from that. And then those people go connect with those people. And then all of a sudden we've got our clients saying good shit about what we do to that person. And it just increases the, the it, sorry, rapidly increases the no like trust process um, in a really authentic way. Like we're not doing it through no manipulative bullshit marketing. We're saying like, yo, go and chat to this person, this person, this person. So talk about the experience that yeah. they've had with, with us, you know, I think it's but huge. I, I don't I don't get how a coach or a mentor can can drink their cup of coffee, wake up in the morning, be with their family, knowing that they have disserviced a client. Yes. I literally I don't I don't understand how they can have a clear conscience knowing that a client of theirs they didn't get results for, and they're not doing everything they can. Like if we had a client, for example, that hasn't happened yet, um, but if we had a client who we just couldn't get results for them. Not only would we refund them every single penny, but we would try to, even after that, make sure we can still get any results. Dude, because, we, do you know what I mean? We, yeah, we have yeah. a fucking money back guarantee on our high ticket programs. Like it, it literally, the, some, the lady that I've been speaking to recently, um, she's interested in working with us one-to-one. Now that isn't something that we actually market or promote officially but it's something that we would do for the person if we could fit their desire if we could fit their needs so whatever we we spoke to her and we said look we'd be happy to do something tailored for you because it sounds to me like you need a tailored approach to this problem and and that's going to come at a, a heavy cost and when i spoke to her about the investment and explained that if she doesn't do it how much money could she essentially be leaving on the table over the next 12 months she really understood that it makes sense to go down that route. Now, here's the thing. When I mentioned the investment, which is heavy investment, I followed it up with, like literally, she, she asked, how long would that be for? And I said, as long as we need to work with you until we get the result. That's, that's it. That's, I don't care. Fucking 90 days, 60 days, 100 days, 200 days. I don't give a fuck. Like, can, if we can't get you the result, we'll refund you every penny. Because I don't want my brand, our brand, Fit Story Company, we pride ourselves on integrity. We pride ourselves on being fucking real. And look, if I would not want to take someone's money for a result, we didn't get them. So take the money back, like experience it. And if you, if you can show us proof that you've worked hard, that you did the units, that you've done the fucking work that we asked you to do, and you still didn't get a result, take the money back. Literally where, where we're at with what we do, because yeah. what is the point? Yeah. Who does it, what, what, what does it do? What does it do to take some of his money if you can't? Why, why, why have those sour dollars or pounds sat in your fucking account if you're just yeah, doing that to exactly. people? What just fucking load of shit? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's why, that's part of the reason why every person that I work with comes to our home and sits at our fucking table and eats with my children. Because oh. I like, that's, that's exactly why. Because I love that. Like, 
number one, I just love people. I fucking said that like a million times now. But number Good. two, I'm not afraid to like show them every fucking nook and cranny of my life. There's literally there's nothing to fucking hide. Come stay at my house. Shit in my bathroom. You know, stay <laughs> stay in my son's bed. Okay. You literally you'll experience nothing different over the period of the two or three days that you stay with me to what you see when you're fucking watching my Facebook lives or you seeing what I write. You know, the the fucking the transparency and like what we're saying about AJ and what he's doing, that's fucking that's what's needed. Plus as well, we've we've been personal trainers. What's personal about doing everything, you know, in that fashion? I'm like, no, come come fucking come for a sleepover. Yeah. (laughs) I want a sleepover and top and tail. Bring your pillows. (laughs) No, it's it's interesting because earlier on as well, just before we press on, you you mentioned about uh, you know, uniqueness and how you know you are your uniqueness. You put the you in unique, yeah. And it's interesting because people search everywhere these days for something that makes them unique and if that's you if you can relate to this specific part of this podcast and you're like i search all the time for a strategy or system that makes me unique or a marketing Mm -hmm. angle that makes me unique or a niche that makes me unique or whatever just know that you your story is about as unique as it could possibly get so just double down on it like, think about that for one second. Allow what I've just said to kind of see, sink in, you know, and think like, oh, maybe it's time to stop searching because what I need to make me unique, I already possess. You know, you really do. Exactly. You've got your tools. You've got your fucking weapons. Just fucking use them. Exactly. Dude, yeah. Um, want to wrap it up, but there is a, just a, we spoke about your vision earlier on for mm. High Ticket PT. So just talk us through that, man. Like, what, what's next? What's the story next for, for you and your brand now? So here's another prediction of mine in the industry at the minute. So right now we're seeing a lot of companies push for trainers to immediately go online because they can leverage yourself. You can reach more people. You can change more lives. You can make more money. Oh, that's fucking brilliant. Well, guess what? All these local towns, whereas all these fucking online PTs, what the fuck do all the people in these towns do? I can guarantee if I knocked on 200 people's doors in this town and said, do you want to train with me via an app? Or do you want me to turn up at your fucking door and make you fucking march up and down that road and get fit? They'll all be like, oh yeah, I wouldn't follow if it was on an app. Not everybody wants to have an online trainer. So let me yeah. just be really fucking clear about that. So if you're That's an in-person so PT and you feel like you're being sucked and pulled towards working online... You don't have to fucking do that. You can, and I've got friends and I respect them and what they do in the space, 100%, love it. And the companies that do it, totally fine. However, there is going to be a fucking gap in the market. Give it five years, maybe even less. There are going to be so many trainers that have come into the industry, immediately gone online, they'll have no communication skills. They won't know how to deliver sessions, how to look after fucking clients and how to deal with real real world problems they have to deal with on a tactile basis when you've got a person in front of you. So we're going to run into the conundrum of where the, the industry will swap back the other way. All of a sudden, it'll be, there's a gap in the market. Well, guess what you need to be doing? You need to be fucking operating in person. You need to have a fucking studio. You need to have a fucking gym. That's the way it's going to fucking go. I can see that, mate. I could see that happening. You see, you see what more, I'm getting at? I can, you, I can yeah, see it, yeah. Yeah, the more you described it, the more I was like, shit, yeah, he's fucking got a solid point. It's true. So that's where I'm going hard in on, basically. The trainers that are like myself, they love 
the fucking the five thirties, the six in the morning till the fucking nine at night because they just love being with people, right? And they want a pool of staff and they want a studio that serves their local community and does great fucking work and they're involved with local initiatives and they're a genuine part of the local community. Those are the people that we're fucking wanting to impact. Those are the people oh, that are wanting to help. So when this fucking big swing comes around in five years' time, it's not just, you know, uh, the gym and Fitness First and all these other companies that have got the monopoly. Actually, you've had three or four steps up the ladder coming into that point in the industry and this little um, sort of future insight that I'm giving you, you know? Mm, mate, you should write a book about that. Just to, that would be fucking powerful insight. Yeah. And, we're, and the other thing that I'm seeing as well is that obviously we've got teenagers, right? So the problem they've got at the minute is, is these, right? A lot of this, and there's less communication. Phones, phones by the way, for people listening. Yeah, to this sorry, phone. so I'm holding, I'm holding, I'm holding an iPhone They're like, up. What's he got? His dick in his hand? Or what, what was this? Got my balls. What's yeah. he got? <laughs> so, you know, our teenagers, we, we sit down as a family every night and have tea. Right, and we all sit and talk about everything. There's no fucking phones or anything, right? And we all unload problems and discussions and things that have happened during the day, what's going to happen tomorrow, things that are coming up. Because when I'm seeing how other teenagers and children are operating, the, the communication skills are fucking taking a nosedive. And I've spoken to teachers, you know, and the head teachers stuff locally as well as friends abroad. And this is a basically like a global thing. And because of this communication thing that's going on, and then couple that with the fact that the industry at the minute is going for this online push, we're basically turning more and more people to just wanting to connect with phones rather than actually connecting really like true face-to-face, -face, having proper face-to-face -face time, right? Mm -hmm. not, not Apple fucking face-to-face -face time. So we're going to have this problem of where we've got Poor communicators in the fitness industry that also, remember, we also act as counselors for people. You're not just a trainer, by the way, right? You're a shoulder to cry on. You're someone that comes off loads of fucking emotions and things like that. And then we've got all these people coming in who are going to have problems from only being able to communicate on here. We're going to have a fucking mess. So the people that are going to innovate and then be standing on the stages and helping people come out of these ruts are the people that are actually doing the groundwork and the frontline soldiering now and onwards. So if you're not doing that stuff, you're going to be left behind. Mm. So if you really believe that funnels and uh, you know, Facebook advertising and stuff is going to get you ahead, it's good to learn, but you can hire someone to do that, like a, a, geek, a geek or a nerd. Right? Mm. The stuff that you need to get really great at is the communication aspects of your life and your fucking business. Because if you don't, yeah. then you are fucked. Yeah. And there it is. Yeah. That's, the, that's a bombshell. And it's so fucking true. Bro, I have enjoyed every minute of this podcast, mate. I think it's Me been too. awesome. Very thank much you. so. Um, so, bro, just a couple things, man. Rich, thank you for joining us. First off, on, on Fit Story TV, has been a pleasure. It's been a blast. And uh, secondly, mate, I hate this question. I fucking hate this question. But are you I ready? Hate it. If it's one that I think, you, uh, yeah, you do. Hate it. Are you ready for this? But it's kind of like 
you know, how else will we get people to come and know about you? You know, um, sure. I think you already know what it is. No, so, no, is it? <laughs> okay, so I have to pinch myself. <laughs> no, no, no. But if somebody <laughs> listening to this can relate to your story, and when I say relate, I mean it could be a personal trainer that 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 just relates to some of your backstory, just wants to talk to you about it, open up, share their story, maybe. Um, at, or it could be the other end of the spectrum where somebody is interested in working with you or interested in seeing w- what other programs you run and, and how they can get involved. So mm. where's the best place for people to cut through the, the shit online and get to where they can contact you? Where's the best place for them to do that? Well, my home address is... I see what you mean about that question. Honestly, like... If you're listening to this, you're probably friends with the guys on on Facebook. Just search my name, Rich Wellington. There'll be a picture of me smiling or or something or other, and um, you'll see that I live in I live in Yorkshire. Just come and friend me on Facebook or drop me some sort of weird emoji or gif, and I'll no doubt be able to resonate with whatever inappropriate thing that you send me. But, awesome. Yeah, and then so. and then lastly, we obviously put we'll put some stuff in the show notes, man. Let's plug your podcast. So tell us a little bit about your podcast, who it helps, the platform, what's what kind of problems it's solving that'd be awesome sure yeah so basically um every facebook live that i do plus then with like the youtube pre-recorded videos that i do i turn all those into the podcasts um you know that you can listen to so you can watch it live you know from my facebook or you know maybe a week or two later it'll be on there so basically it's called the transformative sales podcast so transformative sales is um related to how you look after those clients when you're a personal trainer and you give them the transformation during the actual sales process and how you bring them on board and you know what that does for them. So basically everything that I talk about is to do with how to operate a successful, you know, personal training business, studio, gym, or, you know, mobile PT. But I also delve into some of the other like weird and wonderful places of just life as well. So if you come across a podcast where I'm talking about banging a shield like you're some sort of fucking warrior in a wood then you know you've landed in the dark place of podcast land <laughs> well dude i for one uh, i will be checking it out again i've checked out one or two episodes and i've seen some of your lives as well so um i will mm, definitely hilarious. be checking it out again bro um mate thanks again for joining us thanks for being so vulnerable opening up and sharing some stuff that was no doubt you know it's never easy sometimes to talk and resurface stuff and the fact that our guests go that that extra mile to really um, provide our audience with an insight into their life is is important to us, man. And it's important also to the people that need to hear this story. We do believe at Fit Story Company, our fucking core belief is that everybody has a story somebody needs to hear. And I'm telling you, it, there is. There's, there's people yep. out there who are stuck in their narrative and hearing a story could change everything. It really could. Yeah, I appreciate so, you guys as well. Thanks so much for having me on and putting up with all my, my chit chat. It's been awesome. I'm no so problem, glad man. that I don't have to edit out all of the swear words because we would be fucked. <laughs> we, we would be. It'd be a silent yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, this has been a really fucking enjoyable thing. And I, I appreciate you um, getting me to be vulnerable as well, to be honest, because the, I, it's not that I can't remember the last time I didn't share all that stuff, but. You can tell, like with me, I'm very easy to read because I just wear everything on the outside. You'll know if I'm angry, if I'm upset, if I'm like thinking about stuff. So I don't, I don't. You probably might, might or not keep the pauses in. You know, when I was talking about the stuff that happened to me when I was younger, but I was basically like rec- pulling it all back. You can see me sort of 
like trying to find it, you know, with where I was putting my eyes and stuff and all the pauses I've been to take. So yeah, it was, I'm not going to say it was really difficult, but yeah, it was hard sort of, you know, just regurgitating it all and just having it sort of laid in front of me again. So yeah, I, I appreciate that. It was a little bit of like therapy sort of counseling for me as well. So yeah, Mate, I appreciate it. Thank you, man. And, and again, for the people that are listening, it's just, it, it, it can change everything. You know, someone could just connect with you way more than they can with me and Perry or way more than they can with another guest. And that's why we fucking do this. We're giving people a platform to share their fit story for, for that reason, you know? So, um, yeah. Yeah. dude, thank you very much. Adios team. We're out of here. Peace. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Fit Story TV, the number one resource that everyone in fitness can relate to. Yo, if you got value from this episode, all we ask is that you tell a friend. See you next time.